welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, as a guest, we have Cheryl Leitz. Cheryl is known as the academic entrepreneur. She is a unique and dynamic speaker who intensely connects with her audience. Having one foot in academia and one foot in the business and entrepreneurial space. Her goal is to offer the audience pearls of wisdom today so that they can use it tomorrow in their personal and professional lives. It is not enough to know. The expectation is for participants to take action and Join Dr. Cheryl on her journey to connect these dots, to provide inspiration, knowledge, and counsel to move forward effectively. Known globally for her writings on leadership and failure, as well as critical and refractive thinking, Dr. Lentz has published more than 52 times with 26 writing awards. As an accomplished university professor, speaker, and consultant, she is an international best-selling author and top-quoted publishing professional on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. She took the stage as a TEDx speaker in Farningdale 2020 in October. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you so very much. It's fabulous to be here. I appreciate it. I understand that you teach on failure. That seems like a bizarre concept to most people. It does, and it has scared the heck out of most bosses that I've ever been part of because they're always ace. So you want to teach people how to fail and we're all okay with this? I'm like, yes. The whole point is to get all of the how not to do something out of the way and quickly fail faster, succeed sooner. But we don't like that F word. That F word really scares the heck out of most of us because failure is painful. If we have that perspective, if you look at failure as a friend, it can simply be a mastery journal like Malcolm Gladwell, where you have to have 10,000 hours just to get to the end so you're good at it. And we don't like the getting good part. (laughs) So you call this the F word, which is... uh different connotation for most people. Correct. Uh, Why is this F word such a challenge? I think part of it is we punish ourselves with it. We think that uh, we've grown up with the idea of failure is not an option, for example. Many gurus in leadership will teach that. And I look at them going, if you don't know how to fail, you're not going to succeed. You need to have those skills. And we don't like it because we assume that it doesn't exist. We avoid it. We try and pretend it doesn't happen. And it's painful when we don't get everything that we want the first time, or maybe the second time, or maybe even the third time. If you look at you know, Edison, it took him over a thousand tries to get the light bulb right. And he just kind of looked at it as a, "Eh, that one didn't work. Let's move on and try something else. But we don't do something the first time. And oftentimes it shuts us down. And so we don't like that effort very much at all. So would you say the people that are most apt to succeed are the ones that fail the most? 
I think that's probably an interesting way to look at it. If we look at baseball, for example, if you are considered one of the top baseball stuff, you have a 500 batting average. You fail every time, every other time you go to the plate. That means one in two. And yet we applaud them because most of the time in baseball, you're only looking at maybe a third of the time that you're going to have a hit or do something wonderful at the plate. So the idea when you win in basketball or you win in any of the sports things, these are things that we keep trying over and over and we keep practicing. But you often in particular in sports fail more than you succeed and those who succeed well have very interesting ways because they knew how to do it wrong so they know how to do it right but isn't that an interesting way of being able to look at it most people if they fail the first time they're gone those who understand failure keep doing it until they get it right and understand that it's persistence it's perseverance you keep doing it and eventually you'll get there but i'm someone who didn't took a long time to learn that lesson myself that's what my ted talk is about and it's really embarrassing that figure out that it took me 30 years to keep trying. Well, for our physicians and healthcare professionals, let me uh, highlight the fact that we are not talking about failing at practicing medicine. Our patients are not going to be thrilled with the idea that you succeed after failure. But rather, we are talking about how one promotes oneself or how we run our business successfully. And so most professionals, uh, just like any business person, will practice multiple ways of promoting themselves and uh, furthering the visibility of, of their practice so that in their space, they know what works and what doesn't. Uh, isn't that correct? It is, but I will kind of challenge you a little bit on the medical aspect of it. Well, I'm only a PhD and not an MD, but I am considered a Mayo Clinic misfit. I have been there three times and I'm one of these very unusual folks that are goofy by Mayo Clinic standards. And yet they have had to put the critical thinking team to work because I have some very unusual anomalies that we keep working at. And when you are the 1% of the 1%, they do a lot of research and written up and a lot of studies. But the trick is, is that Mayo Clinic does not give up and neither do your doctors with their patients. You keep looking for answers. You don't give them and say, I'm sorry, you have to learn to live with this, but you teach them how to live with this if it's something that it doesn't have an easy fix or an easy cure. And I think that's the same principle that we're working on. And I'm so grateful to the wonderful, amazing magicians, as I call them at Mayo Clinic, that they didn't send me away because they didn't figure it out right away. It's taken them years to figure it out. And now we have answers. And while I have to learn to live with some of it, it's exciting because they're wonderful people that understand you have to keep working at it. And especially when the answers don't come easy or they don't come quickly, you don't give up, you keep persevering. So I think there's a lesson here for your MDs as well, is that not, we don't like to be difficult patients when there aren't easy answers, but when they don't come quickly, we appreciate and applaud the doctor who's willing to love us anyway, and to get us to the other side with still to continue to dig and to find those answers and to do it with love, grace, and kindness. So I think there's a little bit of lesson here too. Well, I certainly agree with you there. If you have have a patient that presents with unusual findings and you're not sure exactly what that person has or the treatments that would be most appropriate, then, you know, we can't give up on that person. You know, we could transfer that person, but you know, it's going to bug us forever. So we, we, we have to persist and we have to do whatever we can do 
to do right by that patient. Exactly. And I think that's a metaphor for life is you don't, you know, give up on your child. You don't give up on your spouse. You don't give up on any of the medical stuff. You keep trying and you look at it a different way. You bring others to the party. You ask for help. And I think that is an amazing thing. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Mayo Clinic because they didn't get frustrated. They got excited when they saw me. I'm like, nobody gets excited with, with a patient that has all kinds of interesting things uh, for them. And I loved that they have that go get them attitude and that ability to say, we're going to keep looking and eventually found it. It was pretty exciting, but some do give up too easily. And I think that's really the metaphor here is not to give up and keep trying because there's always something to do. And I like that they did that. And that's really what's helped me throughout my life. But to make a career out of failure, you're right, is a little bit ironic. <laughs> but I often as a college professor will teach the benefits and the gifts of failure when I think that's really interesting and it's accountability. So well, that highlights why we have the light bulb today when Edison uh, failed 144 times and he said, no, I didn't fail 144 times before succeeding with the light bulb. I just found 144 other ways that didn't work as well until I got to the right one. Exactly. And I'm a professional researcher and I'm one of the rare people who in my dissertation, I found nothing, zero zip nada. And it was a very hard thing for both and my students to realize that finding nothing is something, particularly in this world of COVID, where we have the ability to have all these researchers working on, okay, that didn't work, that didn't work. And the more we don't know what work doesn't work gets us to what does. And we keep finding those repeating. And as a researcher, you have to be prepared for all possible answers to include that finding nothing is finding something. It was just a way not to build a light bulb. And so we went down another path. And when you have all these people working together, we finally found the paths for COVID and the vaccines and multiple vaccines and multiple paths. And that's also a really good uh, lesson here for us to think about. It also confirms the fact that a team approach really mm -hmm. is the way to go. Not one person alone has the answers, but really just collectively everyone putting their heads together, coming from different approaches will get the job done and find the appropriate solutions. And I think it helps us actually get there quickly as well as because you have more people working on some of these things, they will figure out and, and do a lot of brainstorming. That's why I like the Mayo Clinic and a lot of the things we do in academia is we do have the team approach. When I walked into the Mayo Clinic, I was expecting to see one doctor. I had 12 sitting at the table and I was a little bit taken aback and they dismissed a few along the way that it wasn't pertinent as soon as we got down to brass tacks. And then there's like, nope, you guys, not your purview, not your area thing. And then we stood up with the core team and that's where they get they get excited and that's the difference the attitude not to get discouraged by failure they were like great now we can really dig in and they like that problem solving that greater and the ability to find things in there and it's really i think more about attitude to keep going that's what edison he didn't get all excited that he didn't find something he just kept going until he did and i think that perseverance and that getting excited about not finding anything pulls you on. But I will tell you, I was one of the few who didn't. Uh, after the first time I failed at something, I stopped. And that was very discouraging. It took me a long time. It took me 30 years and I started again. And that is really the lesson is, you know what? You just got to keep going because it's painful. And when you don't have a mentor or someone to process you or a team to help keep you going, we take failure very personally. And oftentimes it diverts us, such as COVID again, forced compliance. 
we don't like being told where we can't do this. And so if we can look at the gifts of why and ask the right questions, boy, that puts us in a much better place. This brings us to a tip that I would like to point out at this time. And that is what, you know, it's not that it's crucial, but what I do recommend to make life easier for both physicians and patients is to have all of the physicians that you see affiliated with the same location so that you don't get uh, to a point where you're falling between the cracks and that uh, you have a team that you may yourself have created with you at the hub where you could discuss the situation with each section of the wheel so that together as a team, you know, you could come up with the solution. But if you have doctors and researchers at all different locations, it's just going to be that much harder. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. Amen. Because it's the ability, you're reinventing the wheel with each one and you may not know what something is important, but you as the expert doctor, the one who went to medical school, that you're listening to something when you're doing their history or their charting, you've come up with something going, hey, has anyone ever asked? You're like, I don't know. I didn't go to med school. That's your job. But if you can, and I always made that comment is like, couldn't I put you all in the room at the same time to have the same conversation? So when we see them sequentially or in different place, they don't have the complete story. And so they can't quite fit their piece to your puzzle. So the more we can do, even though we didn't go to med school, you guys are the heroes here, that it's really helpful if we can help you help us. And that is a great tip, really great tip. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, When you were a patient in that situation, did you have an advocate that helped you? Um, When I was originally put toward... Someone that could help you navigate through the system. Not initially, because I became, I came as a result of being a military spouse. And so the military system kind of handed me over because it was beyond their expertise. And so when I was handed over, Mayo Clinic was the logical outcome because it was a very unique, the CDC, because I lived in Japan for a bit, and this is probably what prompted the illness, that they had to have a lot of divergent people. And Mayo Clinic was found with that team effort to put all of the experts in various things because they weren't sure whose purview was. They just had a symptom. And I had here this thing and it found out with all the tests eventually that it was very unusual, um, two different deals. And it took me 10 years to heal from it. They put me on the right medicine and Mayo Clinic was part of that. But it was so important to get there. But I had so many people that there wasn't that advocate. And I think it would have been helpful to have that cheerleader or that grand marshal in the parade, if you will, to have coordinated all those. Mayo Clinic really had much of that, but I had to be transferred to them first. So. So. Getting back to your expertise, what are two tips that you would recommend to the listeners out there today? One of them is your attitude, because there is something that a lot of people, pessimism isn't going to help here. When we look at the idea of the glass is not, you know, the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. If we can look at failure as the benefits and the gift and not the criticism in there, then we have the option, which is so powerful, is to actually fill your own glass. Most of us think it's either a 
the glass is half empty, the glass is half full. But think of the power it has when you become the advocate, as you're suggesting, and you fill your own glass. You need to be in charge of your own destiny. And a lot of us, particularly, I will tell you, you know, as a non-medical doctor and having a very life-threatening illness, I didn't know enough. I wasn't confident enough. But when I finally was able to take charge and help them help me, realizing it's me and I could fire and hire doctors that was needed. And I'll tell you, that puts you back in a position of control, strength and empowerment. So I think really a lot of it is is empowering in yourself and attitude. So that's the first thing. The second thing is being able to look at not thinking there's something wrong with us if we do not succeed the first time. I see a lot of my consulting uh, clients, a lot of my students that they struggle with failure as a punishment that somehow we've done something wrong and that it's something about us in particular. And we often get overwhelmed or we get discouraged and then we allow that F word to really impact us negatively. So if you can see yourself differently and have that ability to move forward, I think you're going to have those tips would be so much better to keep you in the game and to keep moving forward. Because often one of my mentors has a book called it's three feet from gold and it's, we often stop right before success because we're tired we're frustrated so you've got to just keep going because success could be right around the corner if you just give it one more try or try something different and that's often tough because you know what it is with donor fatigue there's illness fatigue we just get tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired if you can change your attitude a little bit and keep going when everything points against you that really can make all the difference and it did for me both as a patient and as a college professor and consultant so Could you repeat what the title of your book is and where we could find it? Absolutely. I actually have a copy of it here. It's called Failure Has No Alibi. I am thrilled because I am a big proponent of Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill is one of the oldest, as a man thinketh, so he is, and all of his 17 principles. And one of them is about ownership and accountability. And that's why I like failure has no alibi. It's available on Amazon and all the right places in there. Uh, I'm very happy. And it's also the foundation for my TED talk. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more failure, I've got a TEDx talk as well. Okay. Well, we we are video as well as audio. So could you hold the book up again? Oh, sure. Slowly. People can, you know, read it at their leisure and move your index finger. Yep. Then they can see how to spell your last name. And I noticed that it's a bestseller. So good for you. Congratulations. Thank you you very much. And it was such a labor of love. Although I will tell you, it's the most vulnerable I have ever been. And that's what one of my coaches has been working on is to not just be after it's happened, but to have grace and elegance during some of the darker times. And that's hard to do. And so putting this out there was the most vulnerable I've ever been on stage. So thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) So fear has no alibi. I like that. You can take, thank Napoleon Hill for the title. I've completely, you know, this is from his dare, but I love the fact that you have to own it. You have to take responsibility of it and then you can fix it. And quite frankly, I've fixed most of the ideas so I will leave this world without regret. And that's my hope. Well, thank you so much. That's so interesting. Uh, And thank you for being here with us today. I appreciate it so very much. Good luck to your listeners. I hope they will find hope in failure. This has been another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. 
Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.